revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. What's up, everybody? We are back, and so is football. And uh, we've been saying that for three weeks, but this is like the teaser week of football. You're at the bar, you're there pretty early, and you're excited because you see this beautiful girl. Only there. you get there that early. Only I get there that early. Sitting on the bar stool by yourself. Next to this beautiful blonde woman, and she's like, yep, I've got this awesome place back home. I'm really interested in the type of guy you are, and you're feeling good. And then all of a sudden, she's like, nah, i got to go home. And you're left there at the bar stool for another hour or two hours. But at the end of that two hours, she's back. Not her, but a different girl, brunette. And she's ready to tango, just like the NFL will be next weekend. But we do have college football this weekend. She's the she's the blonde that left you early. We're really excited to, uh, to bring you some of the games that we're going to be taking. We're going to give you our spread picks, as well as cover this Ohio State game that happened on Thursday, which was intriguing to me. I mean... Not, yeah, the, not well, the second half, but the first right. half was like, hmm. Indiana, you know, they played Ohio State pretty tough, I think, the past couple of years. And they've gotten a lot better as a program. Um, new head coach, I, I believe, was the offensive coordinator for Ohio State last year. Um, so, you know, I wasn't surprised with how Indiana came out, but I was surprised with how Ohio State just looked like they didn't belong in the field the first half. I mean, they just didn't look like the number two team in the nation. JT Barrett didn't look sharp. Like, Started 10 of 20 for right, like, under you know, 100 yards. He's a Heisman candidate. Um, you know, this is his third year as a starting quarterback for Ohio State. First time this ever happened at Ohio State in the history of the program. And uh, the team captain and quarterback. But they just didn't look good. And I know they came out and spanked him in the second half. But, I mean, if they come out like that against a team who's actually good... I mean, Michigan, there might not be a second half. There might not be. Half. Michigan might be ahead by 28 at that point. Right. But, I, you know, they just... The spread finished off being at minus 20 and a half. So, the, when they're up 42-21 on that last drive, good. They punched in the end zone. You right. covered your spread, which was nice to see because I had arguably taken that game. And that's a lot of points for me to take, especially on the opener, although you, uh, yeah. you really on hope... On the road. On the yeah. road. You just hope, though, Ohio State... I mean, they can't afford... To lose early on, and which they've done 
at some point, and they can't really afford to lose to anybody in the Big Ten because right. that creates all the dilemma, such as like they had last year with the college football playoffs, losing to Penn State, have, beating Michigan, and then there's just all this mumbo-jumbo going around with them. They need to win out, I believe, to make this playoff, and they also need to prove to us that they can beat the good teams because I think they would have gotten steamrolled by Alabama last year. That team, Their offense just was not compelling enough for me to want to pick them if they went to the playoffs let alone for them to even get in the playoffs. So Ohio State, good second half. They did, like you said, they kind of got out muscled in the first half. That t- early touchdown pass, and especially like on the first drive, yeah. That defense is supposed to be one of the best in the nation, and I know they lost a couple of really good guys. Um, you know, a couple of great defensive backs that got drafted, but they just didn't. You know, they didn't look like that team. They didn't look like an Alabama who you know they're ranked in the top five. Like. I think this is a team that has playoff potential. They didn't look like that the first half, and I know they rolled over in the second half, but, you know, Indiana is not... Not so much a pushover anymore. Not a pushover anymore, but they're not in the same caliber. No, they're not. And that's not to say that Michigan's not going to beat them by 50. Like, Indiana's going to get their beatings, but I think they're going to, like, take a game here. They're going to give... And you know what? It could just be a fact that Indiana, they just kind of hang with Ohio State. And you remember last year, it was just... Kind of a fluky game, but they hung They've with them. They've lost some 26 games in a row to Ohio State, though. It's yeah. tough. It's like the Detroit Lions with the Green Bay Packers for a long stretch. I, I feel hope, like, but when is Indiana ever going to have a team good enough to beat Ohio State? It's such a big program, Indiana. I mean, it's not, not really for football. I know. That's what I'm saying. But the, the school's big. The area's nice. They draw it, basketball talent. No, I know. But if you're a, five, if you're a big prospect, you want to go play football for Indiana? I mean, I think the Probably tides not. the tides change from here. I know Alabama has they had their be run. Changing. They could be changing. I mean, like I said, I think they are getting better, but... I mean, who doesn't want to play for a Big Ten school? But that's fine. I wanted, before we talk about our spread picks, as well as the games that are happening today, found something interesting out. I was going through on ESPN recently, and I was looking at this year's 2018 top, recruiters, or top recruiting class for football. Yeah. Leading away... At number one is a quarterback who is a dual-threat quarterback. And I was like, wow, usually you see an offensive tackle. Usually you see defensive end. You see athletic positions, and I know the quarterback can be athletic. So I was going back in time, and I wanted to see the last time there was a number one-ranked quarterback going into the recruiting class. Can you guess who it is and what year it is? Um, going into the recruiting class, was it, how long ago was it? It was almost a decade ago. Almost a decade ago. Um, Matt Stafford? No, but you have the right first name. Matt Barkley was the number one ranked wow. prospect coming out of high school. I mean, this is pretty wild yeah. to me because it goes either way. Because in 2009, we had Matt Barkley, and we know how well he's done, as well as all the USC quarterbacks, except for maybe Carson Palmer you can consider. I mean, he's not a Hall of Famer, right? No, There's no, he's had a good, a good, career. A good career. And But you got Justin Fields here who... Now 6'3", 221, considered a dual-threat quarterback. Oh, boy. Who's the next quarterback that is it really Sam Darnold this year, who we're going to talk about, who they play Western Michigan? I've got an interesting little fact, not even a fact, maybe just a bold prediction about that game. <laughs> that USC's going to lose? That maybe they lose to West, the, the almighty Western Michigan. But, I mean, Western Michigan kept up with Wisconsin in the bowl game last year. so well, Wisconsin uh, hasn't had an offense for 10 years. It's that's fair. Good. You can lose 10-7. to 7 But they're still... a big, big 10 program going to a Rose Bowl. Anyways, what I'm saying about Justin Fields, is he the next, kind of like Andrew Luck, is he the next Peyton Manning, where you just know clear-cut 
you're taking him number one. Obviously, I don't know that much else about him. He's from Georgia. It would be actually kind of cool if he was this talented and he chose to go to Georgia, upping the SEC a little bit more. Because if you think about the SEC, it's really run by Alabama. I know Florida's done pretty well for themselves in the last decade as well as LSU. But you don't have the Georgias, the Tennessees anymore that were competing. Well, Old Miss was... T- Tennessee's been a lot better the past couple of years. I mean, they Tennessee's were had the, the best... 15... For a long time last year. They've also had the best recruiting class over like the last decade, and they haven't been able to put it together. So it's, you got to show me to prove that you're good enough. But anyways, I was just curious about this. When are we going to see the next big quarterback? But that is Sam Darnold. They play at home against Western Michigan, a game that is a 25-point spread. I would lean on taking Western Michigan. I mean, everyone gets hyped every single year about USC. They say it's their year to be back. It's like the year they beat Texas, or Texas beat them. I can't even remember. That was so long ago. Anyways, (laughs) all I know is USC is always overhyped coming into the season. They're ranked fourth in the country right now. We're going to have to wait and see. That's my kind of bold, like, hey, somebody's going to lose this weekend. It's going to be USC. Sam Darnold might take a couple sacks he wasn't expecting and get hit in the mouth and have to rebound. I mean, one loss does not totally kill your season. Maybe one loss to Western Michigan does. I just don't know. That's my that is my bold prediction. You probably are swinging the complete other way. Yeah, I mean, against the spread, I don't I don't really like to screw with these kind of games, but I do think USC is going to win. I think Sam Darnold is going to be in the Heisman race from the very beginning. I don't I don't see a letdown in Western Michigan, who's not a bad team. Um but I I think USC takes it pretty comfortably. Well, that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. We'll be back with more college football and all of our spread picks when we get back. This is the Sporting Edge on LibertyTalk.fm. What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back, and it is... Time to give you our picks again. We, uh, me and Xander as a collective did not do too hot with our Major League Baseball picks this summer, but we are back. We kind of trailed off. I think we only made about 10 each. Yeah, because we started losing so heavily. I mean, I ran out of money. You ran out of money. It's just, but we're back in money-making season. This yeah. is really when... Job season. Job season. But this is really when gambling is back on the forefront. You've got so much football, it's almost no excuse to gamble every... You have to gamble every night. you got maxion during the week. You don't, got, don't talk to me about Maction. Maction's one I of the best. I know your high school career was like revolved around this Maction, and that my college career did some of the same. And then you got the Saturday games. Now that football is pro football's on Thursdays and Mondays and Sundays, you got every day of the week to just throw money around. Right. And then college. If you ba- get bored, just turn on a baseball game, just some sort of sporting event. Oh, you got Major League Baseball playoffs, which you have to gamble on. Right. I mean, and yeah, then, of course, college basketball comes back. But we're not going to get into that now. That's not until November. We're going to get into our picks, the biggest game of the week. And me and you are actually on the same side for this one, I believe. Yes, we are. And it's Alabama, Florida State. And this is a got-a-punch-in-the-mouth type of game. Alabama needs to come out. There's a raw feeling, a very tough loss they took to Clemson. I mean, great for Deshaun Watson and that Clemson program, who are now ranked fifth in the country. But once again, Alabama, taking up majority of the first-place votes, is now ranked number one in the country, going up against Florida State, who's third in the country. Right. This is a really exciting game, first of all, because Alabama finally has, I think, a guy at quarterback who is, I think, a Heisman candidate, honestly. I mean, I think watching him play last year as a you know 18-year-old true freshman, what he did, on top of the fact that Alabama continually has the, the best defense in college football, more or less. And a massive running back. 
It's always they're always massive. They're always Eddie Lacy. Um, I mean, Bo Scarborough is Bo just like the most elite looking running back I've ever seen. What a name! It's great, Bo Scarborough. Yeah, and he's just cut and just ready to run through you. Right. I mean, they, Lacy was a little big, and I'm going to say that because he was a former Packer. Dude, couldn't I, make I, weight. Who, who else? Um, Trent Richardson was a pretty big. I Derek Henry. Derek Henry's a big guy. I mean, the Mark smallest, Ingram, they're Mark, just always thick. The, the and smallest running back they had is TJ Yeldon, and I think he's like 6'1". He's still a horse. Yeah, he's, just, he's still a big guy. It's but, unbelievable. I mean, this Alabama team is is my favorite to win the championship. Is it not our favorite to win the championship every year? I you know, I, I mean, do I put my money anywhere else? Got, a team's got to show you a lot, I think, in terms of recruiting in a preseason to rank them ahead of Alabama. Just because they, they always catch their stride. And it seems like every year they lose a game. But they always bounce back. Um, I remember, like, I think it was two years ago, they lost to Alabama, lost to Ole Miss. People were just like, you know, this would be the end. Never the end. Destroying the rest of the season. I mean, that, that's, I think that is the best part about Nick Saban as a coach is the seasons never get away from him. He will lose a game here and there, but it will never, like, have a runaway train effect. Like a lot of other programs you see can't, you know, they lose one game, they can't hang the rest of the year. That's what I love about Alabama is not only are they the best, but I think mentally they're the best as well. And that's why, you know, he's won five national championships in 11 years. I mean, ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And they go up against Florida State, who, like Alabama's quarterback, was very young last year. Not a yeah, very good team. Francois. Fran- DeAndre Fran- Francois, their starting quarterback, ha- has more experience, I believe, than Jalen Hurts. But I just don't think this team as a whole can keep up offensively they're a great team and they're going to be there's going to be fireworks all season long around this Florida State team but against this Alabama team to start your season it's kind of a tough wall to run into but like you said maybe that first loss propels Florida State this year I, I mean a lost Alabama definitely doesn't have you out of the no, playoff it doesn't and I, I'm interested to see how Florida State comes out because I, I think defensively this year I think they will probably be a top five defense which you know when you have that good of a defense you can re- really compete with anybody and that's been made evident by Alabama I mean I know Jalen Hurts was great last year but you look at the past 10 years they haven't really had you know a Sam Darnold at quarterback or an Andrew Luck or somebody like that who throws for 40 touchdowns what they do have they have the best, probably the best lineman in college football. They have the best defense, and they have a great running game. So the quarterback's just kind of a supplement of the system. And the fact that this year that they have, you know, Jalen Hurts, who, you know, didn't play as well near the end of last year as he did at the start. But, you know, I think with another offseason, more time in the system, I think he will get better. But I'm excited to see these two teams match up because I, I, I can't remember a preseason opener with you know, two teams this highly ranked against one another. And the Lions minus seven, we're both hopping on that. And I think this game will be decided by a touchdown. I don't think this is necessarily a last-second field goal wins it. But I want to make one stay woke type thing. I want you to pay attention there, world. Nick Saban helped schedule these games. Picked who he wants to play. Obviously, he's the best team in the country year-round. Picked an ACC team to start. This is more like a, I lost to one in the national championship. I want to show you I'm going to punch you so hard in the mouth you'll never get back up again. Dude, they, he's the best. He's a dog. That's why, that's why I, I love Nick Saban. He took a loss, and now he wants to... He, you see, but he's right back at it. He's not He's not like half of these other top 25 teams playing cupcakes. Uh, let me read it. There's Auburn playing Georgia Southern, 34-point favorite. 
Ooh, that's Louisville. like a vanilla cupcake. Louisville, 25-point favorite against Purdue. I mean, Oklahoma, 43 points. Texas, 19 points. Penn State, 30 points. Clemson's go playing Kent State at Clemson, 40-point favorite. Come on. There's a, that is come a, on, man. Come on. That's we'll bring come on, man. We'll get Chris Carter to come that's on the show that, and yeah. do that. That is what I love. They're ready to play. They want to play no matter who it is. And I appreciate the same thing about Florida State. I would not be surprised if Florida State won this game. I just don't think they're going to. No, yeah. I mean, they're, I, I would take the Alabama minus seven. Honestly. I can tell you Nick Saban would probably lose his head if they lost this game. Two ACC losses in a row. There's that whole pride of the SEC that they're the best they're in the in the world, basically. But that's all the time we have for this Alabama game. Let us bring you to the Michigan game this week, also against an SEC opponent. It's in Jerry's world, Michigan versus Florida. A little bit more traveling for this Wolverine team than the Gator team, but I think the Wolverines are coming to play. Florida has not had a great offense in a while as well. They're kind of like the Wisconsin of the SEC. I I do like that is actually a really good comparison. I right. agree with you, and I I think I think Michigan's going to punch that, it. Something tells me that this, this is Michigan's year. I have that weird to feeling make the too. Playoff at least, like I think it's got to happen eventually. I mean, the minute that Harbaugh stepped on that campus, this team got like exponentially better, and you saw that. You know, they went from a sub five hundred team to I, I think they won ten or eleven games his first year. This team will get over the hump eventually, and you know I think. A lot of that's going to rely on Spates, their quarterback. Oh, he's got to freaking figure it out. He's got to figure it out. But you know what? This Michigan team, I think, is built more like an Alabama than, let's say, a Clemson. In terms of the quarterback, I don't think it's the end-all, be-all of the system. But he was he just so weak at some points last I, year. I know. And that's got to I mean, change. The thing I love like about a Michigan, like we talk about in every sport, the defense is the key. And I think that Michigan's defense will be suffocating this year. And I'm not sleeping on Florida's defense either, but I think Florida's going to have a much tougher time moving the ball in this game. So uh, Michigan minus the five. I know they're um, traveling a little farther, neutral site. I, I like Michigan. That's I like fair. Ball. I like Michigan minus five and a half too because I believe they're going to win this game by 20. But that comes with some PTSD because I was betting hard at the end of last college football season and I was taking Michigan left and right. And once again, their quarterback here and there definitely let me down down the stretch. They lost two in a row to finish off the season last year and lost three of four. They lost to Iowa by one, and I got just absolutely crushed in that game. Put a good amount of money on Michigan <laughs> just to come out there. It was a statement game. They needed to win that two or three weeks before their Ohio State matchup, which they then lost in double overtime, a game they shouldn't have lost, if you remember. Right. It just... Unbelievably bad defense at the end, letting JT Barrett score. And then, of course, losing by the field goal in double overtime. And then that horrible, horrendous loss (laughs) against Florida State. I know it was a one-point game, but that was not how that was supposed to go. They were supposed to take out Florida State. So if there's any indication that a Florida team is going to beat Michigan again, maybe it'll happen. But I am taking the points. It's a new year. Well, Harbaugh is more flashy. You're giving the points. I'm giving the points. My bad. I'm still fired up about my hundreds of dollars I lost on <laughs> Michigan at the end of last year. But I'm taking Michigan. Me and Xander are both on Michigan, Alabama. Fun fact, Florida has won 
27 consecutive openers, longest streak in college football. And that comes to an end on today, on Saturday, this beautiful college football Saturday. But that's all the time we have this segment, everybody. We'll be back after the break. Have a fantastic day so far. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report. Bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, is seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got the Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to the Bubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct. At Bubba at the Bubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at Bubba at the Bubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, the Bubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the Sporting Edge, and we are brought to you by AudibleTrial.com. Download your free audiobook at www.audibletrial.com slash the Sporting Edge. They got a ton of titles. I've been listening a lot in the car lately. It's a great activity. I'm tired of listening to music. I'm getting to that age. Books on tape, definitely the way to go. But we rewind the tape to last weekend, Conor McGregor goes down and the look on your face it's priceless right now because I don't want to rub it in that much but I just want to say that I was right again the fight went exactly I think how Floyd Mayweather planned and that to me was the most amazing part I loved how Conor McGregor came out he looked better a lot better than I think people thought especially a lot of the experts but you know I think from a non-boxing perspective the first rounds the first three rounds it was like wow Conor McGregor kicking his ass this is awesome. In reality, Floyd Mayweather threw about 20 punches through the first three rounds. And I think that was all part of his plan. He was trying to figure out McGregor's style. Because at the end of the day, Floyd Mayweather probably, I think, is one of the greatest boxers of all time. You can see it in, in his preparation, in his composure in the ring, just the way that he carries himself. He knows how to box, which is more than just punching people. You know, as we've seen over the years, you know, he's not a Mike Tyson. He won't come out knock somebody out in the first round, but he is the best at what he does. And this fight, I think, went exactly as he had planned. After round three, in my opinion, I don't know what the official scores were for the round, but it didn't seem like Conor McGregor won a round after that. Floyd Mayweather kept turning up the heat, turning up the heat every round until he got to that point where Conor McGregor had never been in a ring that long. 30 minutes, you know, he'd been in the UFC ring for 25 and eventually just wore him out. And I know the fight ended in a TKO, which a lot of people didn't want to see, myself included. But watching the la- rewinding the tape, watching the last minute before he got knocked out, or the, the ref called the fight, it was over. He was concussed. He didn't know where he was. He did not throw a punch for about a minute. And, you know, I, I thought Floyd Mayweather were just beating the crap out of him. So I don't disagree with what the ref did, but I, I would have liked to see him hit the canvas, and I'm sure he would have as well, but... Obviously, you're trying to protect guys, but you've been a little quiet over there, E. So what were your thoughts on the fight? Yeah, I really had to tuck my tail between my legs. My pride was just 
<laughs> you were in a bad place on the drive home. It was it was a tough drive home. We went to an Irish pub. We did everything we could to yeah, support I our man. Silently all night. I know. I did everything I could to support my man McGregor, who's still my man to this day. He, and, you know what? I'm on his side too. I, you know, I, I've picked him in every UFC fight. I think he's done. I just didn't think he was going to win this one, but I think I got to take some time to read his Instagram post. Came out with a couple days ago. Let the fight sink in a little bit, but a great couple paragraphs. This is why I love Conor McGregor. No regrets, no excuses, and such a humble guy. And here it is. Just coming back around after a whirlwind couple of days, thank you to all the fans for the support of the fight and the event. Without your support, we as fighters are nothing, so I thank you all. Thank you to my team of coaches and training partners. I had an amazing team, and it was truly an amazing and enjoyable camp. And I honestly feel with just a little more, more a little change in certain areas of prep, we could have built the engine for 12 rounds under stretch and got the better results on the night. Getting 12 rounds alone in practice was always a challenge in this camp. We started slowly getting to the 12 and decreasing stress in the rounds. Got closer to 12. I think it, if not for the time we had 10 weeks in camp, it had to be done this way. If I began with a loaded 12 rounds under much stress, a lot of, a lot of talk about boxing, but get to, get to the good stuff, what I'm talking about. Um, 30 minutes was the longest I fought in a ring or cage anywhere, surpassing my previous time of 25. I'm happy for the experience and happy to take all these great lessons with me and implement them into my camp going forward. Another day, another lesson. Congrats to Floyd on a well-fought match. Very experienced and methodical in his work. I wish him well in retirement. He's a heck of a boxer. His experience, his patience, and his endurance won him this fight hands down. I always told him he was not a fighter but a boxer. But sharing the ring with him, he's certainly a solid fighter. Strong in the clinch. Great understanding of frames and head position. He has some very strong tools he could bring into an MMA game for sure. Here's a toast of whiskey to everyone involved in this event and to everyone who enjoyed it. Thank you to you all. On to the next one. That's what you want from a superstar athlete. A guy who, before the fight, talked so much shit, didn't care, thought he was going to win, and he didn't. Comes back humble. He says, I'm moving on and I'm moving up. Floyd, that was all. I know how, all the crap they talked before. He said, Floyd, that was an awesome fight. Gave him a lot of credit. And he's on to the next one. And you know why he's the best? It's because he's the only one who would have done this, would have subjected himself to this kind of beatdown, which obviously he didn't think was going to happen, but it did happen. Um, and that that's why I love Conor McGregor. He's got, he definitely has two switches. The switch goes on for a fight, and he just... Unleashes and that that either deters people or excites people. For me, it excites me. I think right. the things that, he says are just clever. Well, he's a polarizing athlete because some people love love what he says. Some people hate it. But this, I think, this post fight reaction is something that I don't think anybody could not like. No, and I think that it's just genuine. It's it's, it's genuine. this is not the first time he's done this. This is no, it's, he know, it's not. He I took the punch it. in the mouth and he's done. And he's after gonna the say, Diaz fight. He came out came out in his suit. And he's, you know what? I gave it my my best effort, and I lost. And I'm okay with that. And that, you know what? And not to say that he isn't the biggest competitor out there. Not to say that he hates losing. But, you know what? I think he had all the confidence in the world that he was going to win that fight. I think that's just kind of the guy he is. I think that's the reason he took the fight in the first place. But, I mean, sometimes things happen. I mean, they said it during the fight. They said that most Mayweather competitors don't look that confident coming into the ring. And he just had the look of confidence. And it was tough. I'm still reeling a little bit. I uh, would have loved to have seen the most massive upset in the world. 
But you could tell after the fifth round that it just, he like he just said, he's only been in the ring for 25 minutes, and it was wearing on him, and like everyone else had noticed, Mayweather really kind of played games those first three rounds. Yeah, did McGregor take him? Absolutely. But it was part of the Mayweather plan that led to the ultimate TKO. And I, I gained a lot more respect for Mayweather and his fighting um, after this fight, because I remember... The Pacquiao-Mayweather fight was the biggest sporting event in a long time a few years ago, and it just sourly disappointed. <laughs> it was the most boring fight ever. But now, you know, kind of learning a little bit more about boxing and the type of fighter that Floyd Mayweather is, I really appreciated this fight because it showed that, you know, he kind of stuck to his core principles, even against a guy who you know, was kind of a wild card. You, know, you didn't really know Conor McGregor's style or what he was going to come out and do because he's never done it before, but... Floyd Mayweather, you know, and Conor McGregor said it the best, I think. His composure in the ring is unbelievable. You know, whether he gets gets hit, you know, at any point in the fight, he never really seen... Does not show it. Does not... And even not even in the McGregor fight. I mean, he's never lost, and but most of the highlights I've seen of him, always so composed under pressure. He takes a couple hits. He, he never falters, really, which is why I have so much respect for him. He's got a game plan... And I, I think this fight was really a work of art by Floyd. I mean, he came out super non-aggressive, less aggressive than he ever is, I think. Figured Conor McGregor out, started boxing a little bit, ran all rounds three through nine. And then when he could sense that McGregor couldn't really hang anymore, then he started then he started knocking him up. Something that you don't see from Floyd Mayweather. But this fight, it was perfectly scripted by him. And it was an unbelievable, you know, testament to how good of a boxer he is i mean one of the best boxers ever i know people don't love his style because it's not as exciting as like a mike tyson but i think you got to appreciate you know what he did for the sport and how good he is at his profession i think you got to give him some love for that no i i agree and interesting enough it was going either way with the win or the loss boxing kind of slows down because he's retiring Pacquiao, which we're going to talk about in a second, isn't coming back to fight Joe Horn, which was the only other exciting match recently. Right. Boxing just lost its superstar, but right. lost it on a good note. And very good. Might have been a weaker opponent in terms of just not having the boxing background and everything, but it was good for the sport because your sport got called into question. You went out there and did what you needed to do, beating a young buck in Conor right. McGregor. And I think another really cool thing about the fight was. Um, it, it was interesting to see Conor McGregor react to the different, like, boxing, um, what's it called? You know, little changes between that and the UFC, like, when, you know, guys tie up, they separate him. And he can't really get behind a guy, which was a, cu- a couple times McGregor was kind of behind Floyd Mayweather. And then another thing I give Mayweather credit for is he knew that, you know, like, we're fighting face-to-face. Like, we're not tying up, we're not wrestling. He's not going to let him get behind him. And Mayweather also took a couple shots to the back of the head. Those hammer punches, I that, agree. That you know what, and he never said shit about it. No, and he that's just went good. Out and did it. And so great, great fight was worth the wait and the money. Uh, we definitely waited. Let me tell you that. <laughs> we waited. But to finish that off, Pacquiao just came out and said he will not rematch Joe Horn, so that will be laid Did to you rest. A I didn't get into it. I just was more disappointed because Pacquiao is going to go out on a loss that is very. Very, very questionable. Highly questionable. So maybe Joe Horn's the future of this sport. Who knows? You know what? I don't know. I don't really care. I lost. There's a lot of grief going on right now. But this is a sporting edge here at Liberty Talk.fm where we still love Conor McGregor. And we'll be back after the break, everybody. I've had my
What's up, what's up, everybody? We are back, and we're going to talk a little Major League Baseball. Is Football is coming around, and we'll probably take up the majority of the sporting edge over the next couple of months. We do have Major League Baseball postseason coming up, and it was the last day before waiver trades. This whole, the whole trade deadline in baseball is a bunch of baloney, I believe, because you know what? Trades are still being made left and right. I mean, the Cubs have It's done. an intricate system. The kids, the Cubs are ending up with new players. The Astros, who didn't make a trade at the trade deadline. I'm using air quotes for all the other fans listening to this show. So Verlander's now an Astro. Okay. Big news. That is big news. You get another once-upon-a-time ace, who last year, I know, should have arguably won the Cy Young in the AL. But this year, his statistics aren't living up to it. But you know what? That's fine. He doesn't have to be number one in... Houston. So this is going to be good. I mean, I think the Astros are still my favorite in the AL to make it. The Angels also making a move trying to go after Justin Upton, who has 28 homers, 94 RBIs this they year. Did get him. Yeah, they, that's what I mean. They did get him, who's batting 294. So another good, good piece. So you can see the playoff teams are really trying to adjust, and uh, and you can see the teams that have no shot are dumping. They're dumping, <laughs> absolutely dumping. I mean, what? The Tigers are in complete. I don't want to talk about the Tigers, but what a disappointing past five or six years. What a disappointing decade. Whatever it is. With all the talent they had on that team, didn't do shit. Nothing. And, and they had a lot of talent go in and out of, of those doors they had in Detroit. The best hitter, I mean, besides Mike Trout, they, you know, even comparable, they've had the best hitter in baseball. Did they win during that seven. stretch? Did they win a World Series? They came in second one year okay. with Jim Leland. And then, what about the Lions? Have they won a Super Bowl? No. They haven't won a Super Bowl. The Pistons? Pistons, see, the Pistons saved them since the turn of the century. Because I was about to go out on a limb and say, Detroit yeah. sports. They also have the Red Wings. Pretty good. And they have the Red Wings. So you were saved by your ice and wood sports. Basically, yeah. playing on the hard court or on the ice. So you, you're saved today. But anyways, back to the, the Verlander thing. Dumped, obviously, from the Tigers. Does this really... Help you? Is, is it a? It's a win-win no matter what because you proved to the people you were willing to make a move to try to help you in the postseason, and a win-win because you're getting an ace or a once upon a time ace who should come in there and be able to help you on your postseason run. What do you think? And is it actually going to be that spectacular of a move, or is this? Are they going to be out before the World Series begins? I mean, I I don't know. I don't think the Astros are going to make the World Series, but I think they have an opportunity and a window to win now. And they gave up. I mean, they gave up a decent amount. They gave up. But why was there? He's three. not a young pitcher anymore. With well, a high contract. They did get. They got some money for the contract. So okay. that wasn't as. I mean, I know he's owed like twenty eight. I think they said they got like ten each year for him. So they, they did cut down the price a little bit um, from the Tigers. But I, I don't. In pro sports. You know what? I don't think every trade can be made for the future. Sometimes you have an opportunity and you have a window. Well, that was the Chapman trade last year. Right. And you know what? If the Cubs didn't win for another 100 years, would it have been worth it to win that one year? Absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the things, and this is one of the things you like to bring up, like the Jason Hayward contract. Like, yeah, maybe he's a bum, but we won the World Series. Like, it just thinks. He paid $210 million for a speech. That's just the only thing I was saying. No, but I, I agree with you. Like, it was worth it. <laughs> it absolutely was to get the ring. But I think this Astros team, you know, one of the best records in the AL. And they've been doing it all year with a very spotty starting staff. 
I mean, you look, Geichel's been on and off the DL. Lance McCullers on the DL right now. Colin McHugh's been on and off the DL. So you get Verlander, a guy who, like you said, almost won the Cy Young last year, had a good case for it. And this year, numbers have been okay. But guy has some playoff experience, you know, is a guy who can help you win a World Series. And that's, you know, I really appreciate the Astros making this move. They did give up, I think they're like 3, 9, and 11 prospects in their system. But you know what? They're doing it now, like you said. They right. need it now, especially the with... value, the money, it's now. Especially with the surging Cleveland Indians, who've won seven in a row. I mean, this Indians team with Kluber, Daum, and you're expecting Salazar and Carrasco to come back healthy. You're going to need the pitchers to stack up against this Indians team. And then, of course, you got the Red Sox there lingering. I think they're a lingering team right now, the Red Sox, because you got the hot... You got the hot Indians, and you got this new move by the Astros, so you're expecting maybe an Indians-Astros matchup. But I think this Red Sox team is going to be pretty successful in the postseason this year. I still hold on to my Astros making it to the the World Series, but the Red Sox can create some fireworks. And the NL side, though, we've got the Dodgers getting swept this past week for the first time the entire season. And that is the changing of a guard sign right there. They're, the Tides... <laughs> have turned. I don't care what they finish this regular season, and I know this is only one series, but the Astros are, are not the Astros, the Dodgers are showing just what's going to happen in the postseason. They are not (laughs) going to be capable of winning the series when it counts, and that will provide some opportunity for the Cubs and Nationals moving forward. I don't think this Dodgers team will be strong enough in the postseason. They cannot work off of a bad back, and that's what they're trying to do with Clayton Kershaw. I tend to disagree a little bit. I think this could be the Dodgers' year. Um, well, first of all, I almost never side with the Nationals because they've been a playoff disgrace for the past five years. All the way, my my disdain for them really started when they sat Steven Strasburg out and yeah. had one of the best records in baseball. That was not winning for the now moment. That was, right. it was winning like, for the later. It was like, you know what? Maybe he is one of the best young pitchers in baseball, but said he feels good. You know what? Give it a shot. Mets, now, you can look at it the same way the Mets did that with Harvey. We're, we're sitting here five years later. We haven't won a World Series. Bryce Harper's almost out of town, possibly. To the Cubs. Right. Come on, Bryce. Come to Chicago. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's sometimes the window is open, and, it, and then it closes. And if you don't want to jump, if you don't want to try to jump through it, then you might never win. I don't know how closed this window is yet, though. I don't, it's not closed yet, but it's, the Nationals. There's a crack in it. The Nationals, to me, are almost like the, the Dodgers of the playoffs. And the Dodgers are the Dodgers of the playoffs. But they're not going to be this year. I don't know, man. The Dodgers are going above and beyond, and I think you know there's a reason they've been this good all year. Got some great players, and I think the addition of you Darvish is going to be huge in the playoffs because who I, who Darvish. You Darvish. Oh, okay. It's oh, you Darvish. You're talking about him. Yeah. I, we don't talk about him on this show after his. Oh, after his. Uh, his putting the Cubs out, just like a dog that you're shooting in the backyard. <laughs> but my other point about Kershaw is, obviously the injury is not not good, but it might end up working out a little better down the road because he com- if he comes back fully healthy, more rested, more ready to go. And if he finds his groove a little bit, he gets a few starts before the playoffs. Maybe this is the year where he pulls a Madison Bumgarner and goes six and zero in the playoffs with a point five ERA. Eh, never know. I'm gonna go. Eh. I'm gonna. I give the same sound. The week I don't back, know if I can make the sound. And then, not to mention the Nationals. I think the door 
is swaying right now, but could fly wide open for the Cubs. I think that Bryce Harper reportedly is not close to being ready to run again. And these injuries are just building and building and building on this Nationals team, providing right. what I believe to be the best opportunity for the Cubs to come postseason. They're going to be able to pick on the weaknesses of both these teams, which is both injury-related, and they're going to be able to fly back to the World Series and potentially take back-to-back, which has not happened in over a decade in Major League Baseball, at least in the NL. So I think the Cubs are coming on at the right time. They're 13 games above 500. They're three and a half over the Brewers. They've won seven of their last 10. I'm feeling good about the Cubs, let me tell you. And Quintana has been struggling, but you know what? Keep practicing, keep getting going after it here in Cubby Blue, and he'll figure it out. Yeah, I mean, this this playoff, it's interesting because obviously you got you got the Dodgers, Cubs, Nationals at the top, and wild card right now you got the Cardinals, or excuse me, the Diamondbacks, then the Rockies, Brewers, Cardinal, they're all in the mix. So I think it'll be an interesting playoff. Do not sleep on the Arizona Diamondbacks. What happened to your Rockies? Eh, don't sleep on them either. Fine, don't sleep on the NL West. If I just pick one team to stink in the playoffs, it's the Nationals. There you go. He's going against my Bryce Harper-led team, although I'm a Cubs fan at heart. That's all the time we have this week, everybody. This is the Sporting Edge at Liberty Talk.fm and AMFM 24-7. Follow us on social media as well as our LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. I know there's still social media, but whatever. We'll see you next week, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend and go football. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.